Good morning, no, good evening everyone and welcome to episode 255 of the Ask the Coach Show where Ping Seals helps you improve your table tennis. Today we're going to discuss the Asian and European Olympic qualification events and in the questions we'll talk about sweat balls, taking the ball early and why the reverse pendulum serve exists. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, Supercoach Alloys Rosario is here with me to answer your questions. Welcome, Alloys. Thank you, Jeff, and uh, welcome back, peoples. Haven't been around for a little while. Been, um, yeah, I was uh, at in Perth, Australia, for the National Para Championships over the last few days. So that was exciting to to watch, uh, Jeff. There was, yeah, a lot of. New, new players and some really good new players around uh, that uh, that was really good to see. And we also had some international players. We had uh, some players from Thailand, Fiji, um, New Caledonia and New Zealand, including um, Rung, who's the uh, current gold medalist in the Class 6 event. So it was good to, good to see um, the quality of Rung playing here in Australia as well. So, And we'll see him. He'll be one of the favourites for the Class 6 event at... Uh, the Rio Paralympics this year as well. Wow, very exciting. And, you know, great to see such uh, good quality players in Australia. Excellent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, and had a really good variety of players this time across all the classes. Had, you know, se- separate Class 6, Class 7, Class 8 singles events, which uh, hasn't happened before in an Australian tournament. So, um, yeah, so the depth is definitely increasing here in Australia. So, yeah, really good to see. Fantastic. All right, well, people haven't heard this for a few days because we've been away, so they obviously want to get to this day in history. Great segment we always have on the show, Alois. What happened on the 20th of April? Well, it was 1862, Jeff, Mm -hmm. and, and Louis Pasteur completed the first tests of pasteurization. There you go. 1862. That's right. That seems like a long time ago, but yeah. It is a long time ago. So, yeah, so experimental bacteria conclusively disproved the theory of spontaneous generation and led to the theory that infection is caused by germs. So there you go. Wow. It's not that exciting, but it sounds pretty important. (laughs) It's also Adolf Hitler's birthday. Oh, my goodness. Okay. All right. Well, let's just move on then, shall we? Let's. <laughs> um, the last Pink Seals question of the day was, what percentage should you serve short and long? And what percentage do you actually serve short and long? Ah, yes. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good question, isn't it? Because, uh, yeah, sometimes we uh, we don't serve exactly what we want to, but... Um, uh, Luke Blythman said, according to Alois, because I did see him at a coaching clinic recently, um, I serve 100% long, even if I think it's short, uh, but probably 40% short and 60% long. So that's Luke's take on the uh, on the matter. Um, Manuel said, I do 90% short, 10% long, mainly because my short serves brings me in good position to open the ball first. And it's actually my immediately stronger serve. So there you go. I like your thinking, Manuel. Um, Dieter said, at my level, fast, deep serves are more effective. I try to prepare for higher level competition and and serve short. 
only in matches my cramped execution makes them often bounce once only so that 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 does happen a bit doesn't it so you know when you when you want to serve short sometimes the ball does go long um, especially in competition when you tighten up a little bit Um, Pradeep said about 80 20 but I do about 90 10 so there you go I rarely do long serves it's not a bad way to go Um, and Mick War always in a battle with Scott Houston, said, depends who I'm playing. If it's Scott, then any old rubbish usually works. Thank you, Mick. Too funny. I think um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because a lot of people are saying, you know, at the level I play, people aren't very good at returning long serves. So I do a lot more long serves than you'd see in the professional level. Yeah, and, and, it, um, and it really is the case. So at, um, at a club level, often the long serve can be effective, but certainly if you're wanting to start to step up a little bit, then you need to be able to serve short, and I think that really does, um, does help you pr- to progress. Um, just a couple of comments on the blog as well. So Nigel said, really depends on what the opponent is doing. Normally it would, it would be one in four, so I protect my short serves. I don't want the opponent with his belly hanging over the service line, flicking and pushing serves fast back at me. So, yeah, so he does serve long every now and then. Marson, at beginner level, just faster, lots of side spin, or if short, then side side top spin. That actually drives them crazy. At an intermediate level, 50-50, and probably against good players, 80% short, 20% long. And I, and I do like those percentages mass and i think that sort of um sums it up a bit doesn't it jeff yeah i think it's i think it's good way to base your serve yeah definitely yeah so very yeah, good so, all right yep yeah. yeah so some good thoughts there on serving short and long and it's always a bit of a dilemma isn't it you know do you serve short do you serve long you know you really need to see against the opponent that you're playing what works yeah and exactly then, and, and even if you find one works you still need to mix it up a bit just to keep them on their toes. So, yeah, always keep thinking about your service. All right, that moves us on. Um, well, let's talk about first, Alois, the Asian and European Olympic qualification events. Um, yeah. Some really exciting table tennis has happened recently. Yeah, so so we've got, uh, yeah, we've got the results of the Asian and Olympic qualification now. Um, a little bit of an interest, like it's both um, events had quite different processes and, you know, um, ways of finding it. So in the Asian qualification uh, event, they divided Asia up into different zones. Um, and certainly the East Asia zone with China and Japan and Korea were all in the same zone. Um, so the players had to battle it out in that zone for one spot. Um and then there were some other zones as well um, that were obviously not as strong. I think there's nothing as strong as that zone. But, um, yeah, so it did open it up a lot to uh, players from different countries. So what we saw in the end was um, in the men's, Ma Long, I guess no surprise, was the first qualifier. He's just too good, isn't he? First qualifier mm. makes it through again. Yep, he, he does seem to be. And, yeah, so he got, he got through. Uh, but then the rest of the list reads like Chen Feng from Singapore, um, Sumyajit Josh from India. He he won the zone, and basically that zone only had India in it, and it had, I think, four or five Indian players that battled it out for that 
spot. So Sumyajit got that one. Uh, Li Ping from Qatar. Uh, Nima Alamian from Iran. Uh, Kirill Jarasimenko from Kazakhstan. And then um, after that, so that was from the... Um, from the zones, and then after that, there were five other qualifiers that uh, that played off in a in a bigger event. So then another Indian player, uh, Achanta, um, got through. One of my favourites, and then Chen Chien An from Taipei, Ho Kwan Kit, who we saw at the Australian Open from Hong Kong, uh, Alamian Noshad, and um, Zokid Kenjaev from Uzbekistan. So yeah, a few mouthfuls there, but um, that was the list of. Uh, men's qualifiers from the Asian zone. And in the women's, lots of surprises there um, in that first qualification tournament. Um, Ding Ding Ning going down to uh, Mima Ito. So one of one of our all other favourites, uh, Mima Ito, the, the young player, uh, got over the top of Ding Ning. And in the end, Li Jiajia took the, uh, took the Chinese spot, basically. Um, and then Feng Chen Wei... Yeah, a bit of a surprise, isn't it? Um, Ding yeah. Ying and Li Wen, um, neither of them qualifying. They would have been my top tips. Yeah, exactly. So they they uh, so only one of those two players now will play at the Olympics. You know, so um, Li Xiaojia has her spot. You know, will it be Ding Ning? Will it be Lu Xi Wen? Who who can tell? Um, and then Feng Tan Wei again in the Indian zone. Manika Batra. Um, got a spot, Mariana Sahakian from Libya, um, Nida Shah Savari, uh, Ri Myung Sun from North Korea, uh, Sutasini Sawatabut from Thailand, Kim Song E from pa- uh, North Korea, um, Nantana Komwong from Thailand, so two Thai players in there, Muma Das from India, and Lan Ian Lariba from the Philippines. So, whew, what a list. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. And very, yeah. very comprehensive yeah. pronunciation there. I was like thanks, to, thanks. Whew, thanks, Jeff. And, <laughs> um, and then the Europeans also had their qualification in, in their um, 10 players from each uh, men's and women's qualified. So the big upset there was that Samsonov did not get through. So... Um, he lost to Panagiotis Jonas from Greece in his um, uh, tournament. So basically they ended up having um, eight different tournaments uh, of eight players and um, and Samsonov losing in the final of his tournament to Panagiotis Jonas, the chopper from Greece. Timo Boll gets through from Germany. That'll, that's a crowd favourite. Always. Yeah, and then we've got the two Portuguese player, including the spin catcher master Marcos Freitas, um, got through, and Tiago Apollonia, uh, and then from Russia Alexander Shebaev, and then our friend Pargarel with the Pargarel serve got through, uh, Bojan Tokic from Slovenia, Emmanuel Lebeshon from France, Jonathan Groth from Denmark, and. Lee uh, Ku Lee from Ukraine in the men's. Yeah. Interesting there because I saw Emmanuel Levison in his tournament um, before the final save some match points. And he was the one that actually lost to Paul Drinkle at the recent World Championships in that epic match where 
I think he might have been down 10-6, came back to have a match point and ended up losing. Well, this time the tables were turned. He was up 10-8 in the deciding game, lost three points in a row to be down a match point, then won three points in a row himself to win 13-11 and then go on to claim his spot. So well done, Emmanuel Levison. Yeah, good story, huh? Yeah, nice to see. Um, on the women's side, um, let just um, you let me know whether this is the European or the Asian um, qualification tournament. Um, the women's, Han Ying, Hu Melek, um, Yu Fu, Li Xian, Liu Jia, Li Ji, Li Fen. Are we, are we up to the Europeans or the Asians, Jeff? What do you think? It's funny, isn't it? Because there seem to be more Asian women in other countries than Asian men in other countries representing yeah. them. Yeah, yeah that, that is interesting. But also Patricia Solia from Germany get, got through. Um, Polina Mikhailov from Russia and Matilda Ekholm from Sweden um, got through as well. So, yeah, um, it is it is an issue, I think, in world table tennis, but... Um, that's that's where we are at. There you go. So uh, it is quite a confusing process, Alois. There's a, like a lot of tournaments, a lot of rules, a lot of different ways to qualify. It's hard to, um, you know, be on top of all these things. But I guess you know, at least you know, soon we'll know the players that have qualified, and we can just focus on the Olympics. That's right. Yes, it's all going. It's all coming very very soon, August. So exciting. Very good. All right, now, Alois, this leads us on to today's Ping Skillers question of the day, which is, can Li Xuwen recover from her loss in the first Olympic qualification process to win the Olympic gold medal? Love to hear your thoughts. Uh, jump onto our Facebook page, facebook.com slash pingskills, or, or onto the Ping Skills website and click on the blog link. Let us know if you think that Lee Shu Wen can recover and still win the gold medal. And I think, and I have to admit, I wrote that question before Ding Ning lost in the qualification. So we can probably throw in Ding Ning there as well. Do you think one of those two players can still win the gold medal? Yeah, love to hear your thoughts. Love to hear them. All right, and um, Eternity Deluxe has jumped on and asked a few things not really related to table tennis, but uh, thank you for jumping on and being part of the show. Um, and if you've got any table tennis questions, just ask away. I'd love to hear them. All right, now um, first up is a question from Gavin who says, my son keeps coming up against a couple of people they continually serve a sweat ball, and amazingly, they seem to do it when they are losing. They hit a flat serve so it goes onto the table. They say it's by accident, but refuse to replay the point. This sounds extremely frustrating, Alice. Yeah, and it's just bad sportsmanship if that's what they're doing. I mean, I have come across some players that do do that every now and then. It doesn't happen very often. You know, most of the time when it is a sweat ball, the 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 protocol in table tennis is guys that if you serve the ball it's got sweat on it um you serve it and it just drops off the other person's bat and, they, and you can see that there's a lot of sweat on their bat from the ball 
just play a, a let. Just play it again, guys. Don't take that point. It's uh, yeah, it's it's bad sportsmanship. If you, if there's sweat on the ball um, and it um, affects how the returner can play, the, if, I mean, basically they haven't got a chance of returning it because they go to play it like it's a dry ball. It's got sweat and just drops off. So the protocol here, guys, is that you do need to just call a let. Tell, just tell the umpire, no, I'm not taking that point um, because it had sweat on it. So, um, And if someone is doing that, whether it's to your son or whoever, just, you know, have a word to them. Just tell them that it's not right. Yeah, it's, it's a terrible thing to do, isn't it? Now, interestingly, Alice, this protocol seems to only happen on the serve. If, it, if it's like three or four, five, six balls into the rally, it seems to be bad luck then. But on the serve, I guess, where you've got control and you should, you know, make sure the ball's dry, make sure your bat's dry, that it really is the right thing to do. Yeah, I, although I, I reckon it, it, they, I mean, most of the top players, even in the rally, if the ball does drop off and it's got sweat on it, they will tend to play a lead as well. But you'll find it often doesn't happen because if it has got sweat on it, um, it'll you know, it'll affect probably the, either the serve or the return of serve most of the time. So, but yeah, it's just, it's just a nice thing to do. Table is a good gentleman's sport. Behave yourselves, guys. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. All right, next up, Conrad says, I have observed that the newer generation of world-class players are being coached to take the ball much earlier and closer to the table. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's um. I mean, the game's just faster now, isn't it? But I don't think they're necessarily taking the ball that close to the table all the time. You know, like you see a lot of them just maybe half a step back or a step back, and which allows them to make that counter topspin a little bit better as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, but the game the game in general just is faster. And if they have the opportunity to take that ball early, they do take the ball early. But um, yeah, there's a lot of just counter topspin. You know, I mean, there's no there's no blocking in, at the top level now, is there? Yeah, exactly. Um, if you're blocking, they just put some counter topspin from both sides at the top level. It's amazing. But I think, Alice, if you go back to maybe the 80s, maybe early 90s, you had some players like Applegren who used to just sit like a long way back from the table and just play his topspins with loops and just control the, the rally from way back there. I think that style you don't really see anymore. Um, they are just a little bit closer. But like you said, they're not always right on top. They're just, you know, like half a step back um, playing big forehand top spins. Yeah, there's just a lot of counter top spin now, isn't there? But, um, yeah, I mean, all that we, do, we are tending to see some really long rallies with, um, with players just going back a little bit further too and just more, more fishing um, as well. So, yeah, it's... Game's developed. It's getting better. It's getting better and better. Absolutely. Love table tennis. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, and now Dita has a question. He says, I wonder why the reverse pendulum serve exists. If you want to use that kind of spin, why not simply use the backhand side spin serve? There's more uh, wrist flexibility on the backhand for that kind of side spin, and you're in a ready position sooner. Ah, yeah. So even though the ball might end up spinning the same way, 
often a player will have difficulty with one or the other or or both, you know, like, um, for example, I've seen a lot of backhand serves and I feel much more confident returning a backhand serve than a reverse pendulum serve. So it might sort of have the same type of um, spin. So the ball's still spinning around this way when it's coming at me. But, um, yeah, just because the angle difference, the, the subtle differences in the contact, um, yeah, so that, that's why that's why we come up with different serves, basically, because the, the, um, the picture is different. And the way that you approach it is different. So, yeah, it's it's good to just develop different types of serves. And, you know, some people mightn't like the backhand. They don't read it well. Some people mightn't like the reverse pendulum serve. So that's why we do have different types of serves, basically. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting point. So do you think that one of the serves is better for deception or is that just a, an opponent-by-opponent thing? So like you said, some players might be, better at reading the backhand serve. Some players might be better at reading the reverse pendulum serve. I, I, I really think it's an opponent-by-opponent opponent thing. And it's just that the backhand serve has been seen a lot before. Um, now the reverse pendulum serve is becoming more common. And, and I find the better players um, can return the reverse pendulum serve well. I can't because I just didn't um, have that bulk of training uh, returning reverse pendulum serves. So I think it's just, you know, what, what you get used to. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. All right, good question, Adita. All right, now, Alice, it is Wednesday, which means it is drill of the week time. What drill are we going to talk about today? Yeah, so we're going to talk this, about switching duel, the switching duel. Now, what that is is that um, you get your blocker to play either one or two shots into your backhand corner and then either one or two into your forehand corner. So this is a bit of a mixture between a static and a dynamic drill um, because that first ball, you know it's coming here, and then the second ball, you know that it's coming um, either to here or to the other side. So, um, So the first ball is okay. The second ball, it could be either this side or that side, so then you play here or here. Now, if that first ball has gone to here, then the next ball can be either side. So it is a, a it's it is a little bit different. Um, if they've played two balls to your forehand, then you know that the next one's going to come to your backhand side, for example. Um, it's a really good one for practicing that switching. So we've talked a little bit about the switching last week as well, um, making that choice between the forehand and backhand. And, that's, and this is a good drill for um, for doing that too. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because if you just go for a, a totally random drill where you don't know where the ball's going, sometimes you can feel like you just get out of position and can never quite recover. Whereas here, as soon as you've got two balls played in a row to one side, you know the next one's switching. So it gives you a bit of a chance to kind of recover in the rally and get a bit more consistency while practicing that switching and tracking of the ball. Yeah, so give it a try, guys, the switching duel. And um, for those of you that haven't seen our um, training drills download, there's a free download on the site. So you go to pingskills.com, go right to the bottom of the page, and you'll see free downloads. Click on there, and in that section, you will see the training drills download. Get 
get a hold of it, download it, print it off, stick it in your table tennis room and go through each day and you might be able to just pick different drills that you can use and, and like. Yeah, absolutely. And that download was inspired by our Training Secrets course, which um, is, a, is a really good course, um, teaches you all different drills, why you should use them. We demonstrate it and then also encourage you to learn how to pick drills for yourself. Um, yeah, it's really good. So that's for our premium members. So um, if you want to improve your table tennis, think about getting a premium membership from Ping Skills. All yeah, right. I think that that train that training part is so important for for players to improve. I mean, we often get questions about how do you improve. You know, training is the key. If you if you can get a good bulk of training happening, then that's how you're going to improve. You know, there's no there's no easy answers with table tennis, and by getting a hold of the training drills, um, as Jeff said in that training secrets, we show you each drill, so we demonstrate it. But then as Jeff said, we also tell you why it's good for you and and how to pick drills that are going to help your game. So, yeah, get onto it. Get onto Training Secrets and see what you can get out of it. Absolutely. Very good. All right, Alloys, that wraps up show 255. Thanks, everyone, for watching. And uh, keep enjoying your table tennis. We will see you again tomorrow. Thank you to Alloys. Thanks, Jeffrey, and we'll see you tomorrow night. Bye.